listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Good morning. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins is sitting right here next to me, touching my thigh. Uh. I hope everybody's having a good time out there. This is actually, this is an OG show. This is like the old school days. Yes, sir. Two guys sitting around with a couple of microphones talking yak about sports and whatever else comes to mind. I'm uh, I'm kind of fired up about it, B. Yeah, me too. Brick's going to be in probably about halfway through the show. Yeah, whatever. You well, know, ever since we started in this new studio, I feel like it's been bad for my health because constantly I'm staring out this window at the McDonald's across the street. <laughs> wanting longing for their you know big mac or something you know we could probably get one of these breaks to be extended a little bit drop about eight commercials in a row that's probably enough time to get <laughs> dash across it. us one yes sir yes sir yeah it'd probably be quicker to run over there than it would to drive yeah i you know well, maybe not for me but i'm gonna see how much money's in my wallet because that sounds like a challenge i want to see if you can get across jefferson davis highway to McDonald's and back to the studio without getting crushed i don't want to see you die frogger style just for like a big mac <laughs> <coughs> what are we talking about today, man? I don't know. Big Macs, apparently. So, Wimbledon wrapped up this weekend. And, and two big storylines. One, one kind of messed with my head. I'm not going to lie. Novak Djokovic wins his 16th Grand Slam title. Mm-hmm. He beats Federer in an epic final. Longest final in men's history there at Wimbledon. Five hours, man. Five hours. I don't even want to do anything I love for five hours and I don't love tennis so I don't really want to sit in front of the TV and thankfully because I feel like I have a responsibility I have to be up on everything sports wise so it's the excuse that I roll out there for my wife on a on a weekly basis I, I have to watch this it's for work yeah, and <laughs> I'd never thought that you're able to use that now. I know, right? Oh, I'd, oh yeah, on the on the regular, believe that because she does look at me cross-eyed. So, well, why are you watching that? Hey, I have to watch this ping pong match because yes. we're talking about it on Monday. Yes. Get off my back. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I didn't watch it because I didn't get out of bed. Um, we went to see Train and Goo Goo Dolls at Coastal Credit Union. Coastal is it Coastal Credit Union now? Yes, used to be Walnut Creek. Yes. It'll always be Walnut Creek in my heart. Man, but, you uh, are a concert-going cool son of a gun, man. Yes. You love to yes, go yes, to your yes. concerts. Well, here's the, here, here's the real deal, though. I've got a couple sets of concert tickets in the future over the next couple months, and a couple of them my wife has begged out on and is like, I'm not going to see that. I'm wondering if at some point here in the next couple weeks we ought to do a giveaway and find me a concert date. Yeah. I got it. I've asked my wife if that's okay, but I have to give that time to sink in because it could be anything. Because be I'm not going. Remember that time I went? Oh, what was that concert? I took you to see Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. That was a disaster. You were like a you were like a seven year old kid where you were like, "This is too loud. I'm hungry. Somebody needs to get me out of here and get me a happy meal." And about two thirds of the way, you're like, "Would it be okay if we left yet?" And me, I'm like, dude, we're closing this He's thing down. Really you, close to like stage diving. Yes, I'll tell you, my big takeaway from Wimbledon was a take on uh, Serena Williams. You know how when it can happen, like when Jordan was the best in the NBA, Serena, Serena. For me, it's like 
when somebody comes onto the scene and they win like five, six, seven in a row, I'm like, this is interesting, right? Like, I want to follow this person. Then they win so much, I'm tired of them winning. So they win another six, and I'm like, all right, Tom Brady. That's, you know, I think that's enough. Everybody's sick of you. But then it gets, and we were talking about this last last year with Tom Brady winning. Then you get to a point where you you start f- to pull for them. at Because you can see they're at the end of their career. And that's what I found myself doing with Serena Williams. I was like, I want to see her win and break this record. And, of course, Halep takes her out convincingly. And so I just – do you feel that same way or is that just me? Like when you start to pull for the – Yeah, even, I absolutely or, do. Well, wait, wait, you have to look no further than Tom Brady. Right. Because I've been a Brady hater forever. Who hasn't? And at some point in the last couple of years, I'm like, I just want to see how many this guy can win. And I'm okay with it. You know, if he were playing one of my favorite teams in the Super Bowl – then obviously, you know, I'd be pulling against this dude. But once he gets to the dance and it's two teams that I don't have a rooting interest with, yeah, let's just see how many he can tack on. You know what I mean? No, you will never catch me pulling for Tom Brady, but I respect it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, fair enough. But so what you're telling me, though, is in a roundabout sort of way that you were pulling for Federer and Williams this weekend. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I'm, but I'm, you wouldn't. So where's the difference between Federer, Serena Williams, and Tom Brady? What's the difference? Uh, I have no idea. What oh, is the difference? I mean, you said you'd never pull for Tom Brady. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Uh, you know, just Tom Brady. You, you and I have had that. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of why I don't like Tom Brady. Um, he just kind of comes off a little fake to me. But, you know, the thing about it, other defenses can't stop it. You know, I like to point to him a long time ago and say, well, he's a dink and dunk pastor, passer. Well, then stop it. And you can't do it. You can't stop it, you know, except, you know, when you're up against the Giants in the Super Bowl. Okay, so which was the bigger win for Halep in this run? She beat Coco Golf, who it appears that the tennis media would like to anoint as the next great tennis player. Yeah, um, We need U.S. stars in tennis to make a difference, to move the needle. Right. You know, other than Serena Williams... On the men's side, it has to go all the way back to Pete Sampras. But Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova, even though she's Russian-American, Russian-American, who knows what she is. Mm-hmm. Depends on you know who you ask and what she's trying to sell in commercials or was because you know it's, time has passed. But Coco Golf, fifteen years old, you know, is sort of been anointed. She's the then, darling. Yeah, she's the darling. But then goes out in the fourth round. You know, and got dealt with by Halep. So I guess men's tennis is somewhere hanging out with men's soccer. They're just, they haven't, they're just lost somewhere on a deserted island. Well, when you think about it, though, it's sort of the same issue with soccer. We're seeing it in tennis. This is a game you have to commit to when you're a kid. You've got you've got a daughter that's, you know. Two now. Well, I'll, I didn't even know Evie was in it like that. Evie, like, won both of her double matches in um, Cary this past weekend, and her serve is looking really good. So Okay. Do you Come need on, baby. To, you need me to coach her a little bit? Uh, I would rather her not go backwards. You know? <laughs> no, I'm, probably, I'm like, the whole time, a good idea. I know the other parents are watching their kids going, come on, honey, just have fun. I'm like, come on, honey, get that scholarship. Let's do it. Well, the thing with with golf is, you know, it was sort of uneventful. She goes out before the quarterfinals to the eventual champion, Simona Halep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gets 6-3, 6-3. It's pretty convincing. 
Well, then Halep turns around in the finals and gets Serena 6-2-6-2, which for those of you in, 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 that are outside the bubble as it applies to tennis, that's a beatdown. Oh, that's a beatdown. That's a molly whopping. Yeah, it's a molly whopping. 6-2-6-2. Wow. My thing with the men's is I did have every intention of waking up to watch the men's final, but it started at like 5 in the morning, and that just wasn't in the cards. So I didn't. And I assumed I'm going to miss the entire thing. And then about, I don't know, 10.30, it seems like, I was in a bit of a haze. I get an alert across my phone that Federer has gone down to Djokovic. And here's the thing. American tennis, American men's tennis, Pete Sampras, when he retired in 03, was the best tennis player the world had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Ever. He retired with 14 Grand Slam championships, and he there was a very clear passing of the torch from him to Roger Federer. Federer wins his first Grand Slam. You know, nobody at that point looked and said, okay, well, Federer's going to walk down Sampras all these years later. But now Federer sits with 20, 20 Grand Slam champions. Is that a lot? Championships. Is it a lot? I'm playing. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot. But here's the thing, is that during this same era where Federer has distanced himself so far from the pack, you really have to start asking the question, how great is he? Because in that same era, Rafael Nadal has 18. Mm-hmm. And now Jokic, who's five years younger than Federer, has 16. He's got he's 5 years younger. You know how who I feel bad in, for in all this? Who's that? Roddick. Can you imagine a no, wait, wait a minute. Who's Roddick married to? I don't know. Is she pretty? Yeah. Who is it? Brooklyn Decker. Oh man, I don't feel bad for him anymore. <laughs> no. It, it's over. We the 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 sorrow. Well, okay. Let's separate the beautiful wife from this discussion. Can you imagine coming up in a worse time period, the Federer-Nadal time period? No, and I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look it up, but I think Roddick even spans back. Was he at the tail end of the Sampras era? He probably was. And and Roddick walked away from the game. Roddick's, you know, he's living his best life. But my question with Federer is tennis is, tennis is one of those games where you're not looking at, you know, a juiced ball like you are in baseball. You're not looking at different types of offenses in football where it skews your statistics. Mm -hmm. The only statistic that matters in tennis is wins and losses. Right. And the number of Grand Slam titles available to a player has not changed. So everything is sort of equal. And before, in the Sampras era, we had to look back at folks like Rod Laver, and, you know, there were, you know, seven people playing in these tournaments. They weren't open, blah, 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 all of that. But in this day and age... There's still only four Grand Slams a year, and you either win one or you do not. Federer, at this point, is indisputable that he's the greatest tennis player of all time. But it's also indisputable that over the next four or five years, he's probably not going to be the greatest tennis player of all time anymore in terms of Grand Slam championships because either Nadal or Djokovic or both of them are going to pass him. And it's just kind of mind-boggling that these three guys have dominated men's tennis at such a level where they've squeezed everybody out. Yet Andy Murray, that won a couple Wimbledon titles a few years ago, and it was a big deal because you finally had a Brit 
that wins Wimbledon for the first time in a bazillion years. And then he, you know, two titles and he's out of that. I think he won the U.S. Open as well. But apart from that little blip on the radar, these guys have sucked the oxygen out of the room. I want to know, is it good for tennis? Is it bad for tennis? Or does anybody even care? Right. That's my question to you. Well, we're coming down to the last minute. I I think it's bad for tennis for people to see the same player over and over. <clears throat> you talk about 20 opens, 20 majors, whatever they're called. Yeah, grand slams. That's just, you're winning one like every two weeks. <laughs> I feel you. We'll talk about it a little bit more, and uh, we'll get to the NBA, maybe some NFL on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC, broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, hanging out, talking about Wimbledon and tennis in general. Tennis, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're two grumpy old men. We spend a lot of time trashing baseball. And now I feel like we're headed down a road where we're going to trash tennis a little bit. Is that is that the vibe you're getting? Yeah. 
Of course. Don't. Uh, but tennis, it's easy because all we need is for an American man to be any good. Any good at all. Well, it doesn't do- even have to be a champ. It can be a guy like Michael Chang. Okay. It's like on the periphery, Andy Roddick, who, you know, is a good-looking guy, has got a hot wife, whatever. But we, John Hisner is like it for the American men. Well, you got to go down. That's how top-heavy in terms of wins and opens. That's how top-heavy it is because you got to go all the way down to, like, number 11 to get to Isner. And then he's, it says by his name, second round out in Wimbledon. And that's the, that's the highest he's gotten to in terms of these. Now, first of all, I would say... My daughter has actually played with John Isner at a camp before. Shut up. Did and she beat him? No. But he is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Well, that's cool. He's got that going for him. Until he wins an Open, and then he'll become a jerk, probably. Probably so. And, that you know, Djokovic, that's the thing from the highlights and, and from everything, because I did go back and, and do some analysis on the, on the men's final. But Djokovic is not anybody's favorite person. Not a nice guy. Known as sort of a, you know, European playboy type, you know, sort of the, uh, I don't know, sort of the movie star version of, of a tennis player. But it, you, you can't deny it. This dude's 32 years old, and he has 16 Grand Slam champions championships. And here's the thing, is that Djokovic, when he first hit the scene, was on fire. Um, wasn't any good. Yeah, when he first came out, um, this is a guy... Let me let me. If let you me go back some, while me, you're looking, let me that make up. some observations. When you're making, for you here. as you're looking, if you've ever seen any footage of him when he was a kid playing tennis, he went through. He was constantly throwing his racket around. Like I think he grew up a rich kid, and was just constantly, right? You know, tearing up all of his rackets just because it. You know, the ball didn't go in. Or something. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something that's going to to blow your mind. All right. I'm, all right. So Jokovic hit the scene. Um, back in 2004. He won his first Grand Slam championship in 2008. In 2008, Rafael Nadal already had nine Grand Slam championships. Mm. In 2010, before Jokic won his next Grand Slam, because he had a great 2010, 2011. But in 2010... While Jokovic started the year sitting on one, how many how many Grand Slam championships at that point do you think Federer had? Let me can I guess? Yeah, I'm hoping you're going to guess. I'll say eleven. Sixteen. Oh wow. Sixteen. So in the last nine years, Federer has won four to get to twenty. Since 2010, that's nine years. Jokovic has won fifteen of them. That's a lot, Brandon. That is a lot. That's a lot. And Nadal has just sort of, you know, petered his way through there and, you know, keeps doing his thing. Now, hey, now Don't you think Nadal looks like a Treyu from the Never Ending Story? Dude, 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 dude. This is a guy. <laughs> he is the LeBron James of tennis. It's time to let that go. The hair. Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Rafael Nadal, let go. Take it off. That's easier said than done. Take really. it off, take it off, take it off. Tiger Woods. You can't keep wearing bigger headbands and think that we're fooled. There's nothing even left on the top and in the back anymore. You know it's what? It's gone, Rafa. You used to have amazing hair. You're still a great-looking guy. You're fit. You're a bazillionaire. Take the hair down or do something about it. You Go all in. A- hair club for tennis players, whatever you need to do. You just gave me a great idea for a business. 
build a bigger headband for these players. They can't get any bigger. <laughs> they can't. He's going to be. He's going to wear wearing a headscarf at some point. I wear a ball cap. Something. Jim Courier didn't he used to wear a ball cap all the time? Oh, yeah, Wouldn't yeah, that think? Yeah. Something, man. Come on, just give up the ghost. So it's I guess the, the bottom line, you're saying Jokovic is just really been on a tear. It seems like he had slowed down the yes. last couple of years for well, some reason. It, there have been times where people have asked the question, is Djokovic done? And the reason, the thing that leads to that are, you know, he obviously is a hard worker on his game, but the thing that people ask is his lifestyle. You know, he's a playboy. He's in Monaco. He's doing that. I mean, he's doing that, living that life. And it's hard to hate on him because, frankly, I probably would too. Yeah. If I had that kind of money and what I did for a living was play tennis, I would be wide open. Isn't that funny how we initially go, uh, he just doesn't want that <laughs> enough. He's only got 16. And then we keep it real. <clears throat> then you're like, oh, yeah. I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't fault the guy for it. I can't fault it. Um, so I got to tell you, man, this job comes with a responsibility. Okay. And, and I take this very, very, very not seriously. But so... I'm going to relate a couple stories to you. Okay. But the first one I'm going to hit you with is, is this morning. So a week ago, Monday, I go to get my Diet Coke before I come in here. You know, I'm a fiend for this Diet Coke stuff, even though it is killing me faster than the cigarettes are. You see what I got over here? I, I see you. And that's my, that's my go-to. But on these particular mornings, the place I have to go past doesn't have Coke Zero doesn't have cherry coke zero so i go the diet coke route on those days so anyway i stopped by the shortstop over on cool springs road and as i'm in there the radio station that is playing happens to hit a wfja bumper and i'm like oh she's listening to our station <laughs> so i say to this young lady so uh you listen to that station much she's like oh my god it's my favorite station in the world I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm going to be on in about 20 minutes. And she's like, what? So, yeah, we're, we, we do a little show on Monday mornings. And she was like, okay, cool. Didn't That's all I said. So this morning, I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, I really need to go get something to drink. Let me I sound like an alcoholic there. Don't I? I really need to get a drink. I need to get over there and, and get something to hydrate on my way in. Right. So I go to the shortstop, and I'm half thinking. I'm like, man. I, I don't know if I want her to be here because if she didn't like the show and she's mad, I don't know if I can face her. And I walk in and I go get my drink and I bring it to the counter and she's like, you about to go on the air? I listened to you last week. You guys are awesome. That's and funny. I was like, oh. And it was such Whew. a relief. Another because, one fooled. Uh, because what I thought I was going to get was something like, dude, I'm here chilling at work, listening to my tunes, and I got to listen to you knuckleheads talking about sports i could go home and, and talk to my husband exactly i could listen to him and his friends get drunk talking about sports but no so daphne over the shortstop then she tells me she's like well hey i went to school with uh kelvin bryant and i was oh, like wow. whoa oh my gosh and i said well where are you from she said, i'm from tarboro and she said yeah i went to uh i went to school with um with that guy for the rams with his parents i was like todd early yeah, I went to school with Todd Gurley's parents. So we got him on the show for next week. Yeah, week. and that, that's, that should have been my next question. So how well do you know him? Can we get an interview? But no, I, I appreciate the kind words, and it was a relief because uh, I, uh, I am completely 
you know this about me. I'm completely codependent. I have to have constant affirmations. Oh yeah, and and that's why I call you on a daily basis. And you see, I've, you know, I got to say some kind words. This what did, what did your wife say? That around. people like to hear the sound of their own voice. What are she says that people that that like to see it, to hear the sound of their own voice that can hear it without cringing are sociopaths. And she is a mental health professional. She may know what she's talking about, but I'm not going to lie. I, the sound of my own voice makes me happy. See, you got a good radio voice. The sound of mine makes me want to go run in the other direction. But the, see, your That's reaction why I don't listen to, to the... your voice is actually what most people think. And there are a lot of people that that, that tell me that. Because I, I do TV, radio, do a lot of stuff with that. And they're like, I just can't, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't stand to hear my own voice. No, I'm going to tell you in terms of if you ever feel bad about having a southern accent, accent, you shouldn't feel bad, first of all. But just travel abroad. Go to New Zealand. The women there loved my accent when I was in New Zealand. Like, I mean, I it, around here I sound like somebody that, you know, where you stop and get a shortstop drink. But over there, they're like, uh-huh, keep going, keep talking, keep talking. And of course, I love their accents as well. But, uh, well, I have told my wife on, on many occasions, she knows this, that the only way I could be more attracted to her is if she had either an Australian or a Scottish accent. Really? Yeah, those are my, those are my two faves. See, Scot- and the Scottish, there's a, there's a line there. Because if you listen to somebody with a deep Scottish accent, there's this, there's this sort of threshold that they can cross where they're talking a completely foreign language and I have no idea what they're talking about. But as long as they're sort of north of that... And I can understand Scottish is a cool accent. If I could change one thing about myself, I would start with bringing my abs back. But number two on that list, I would have an Australian accent. No, there's no doubt about it. I would be the coolest person in the room at all times if I had an Australian accent. You'd, you'd be going around saying put some shrimps on the barbie <laughs> all the time, dude. It would drop. No, I don't think Australian people really say that. So I probably would never, ever, ever say that. So the ESPN NBA Power Rankings came out for 2019-2020. And I'm looking at them, and you know what? I, I don't even know why I look at this stuff, because it's clickbait. And they're just trying way too hard. I want to do some analysis on these and get your feedback when we come back from the break. But before we do, I do want to say that there's some irony. I don't know how long they've been playing the World Cup of Cricket. It's one of those created tournaments you right. you're familiar with cricket at all? Oh yeah. Apparently the, the English sticky sticky wicket. Sticky yeah. wicket. <laughs> the English won the World Cup of cricket for the first time in history. Wow. It's an English game. <laughs> the game is only played in the English colonies and England won it for the first time ever. They've been being beat by New Zealand and the West Indies and India for all these years and England finally wins the World Cup in their own stinking game. And when you talk about sports, I, it's almost akin to chess. I don't even know that it qualifies. I know any, any, any game in which you can take not one meal break, but two meal breaks in the midst of. <sighs> Let me ask you a question. Would you, would you rather be able to create your own sport? But only if you were able to win it or like if, if you could never win it, like something like this. Would you just say, nah, I'm not going to create it? I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that. That's a great question. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins. We shall see you on the other side of the break. Hang out with us.
You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back. And and before the break, I, I digressed a little ways away from sports, but I'm going to do it again, sort of. I have reached the point in my life where I consider myself to be a North Carolinian. And you know, we both reside here in Sanford. We accept you. I could, I could, no, you say we. Yeah, maybe, we. maybe you in the mouse in your pocket. But you know, this is, a, this is the type town where I could live here for 65 more years and people will still be like, oh, yeah, he, he's not from here. Is, <laughs> am I wrong or am I right? Unfortunately, you're that, right. That's, that's, it's right on. <laughs> Beantown knows. Roy Costin, our producer, he, he's looking across. He's shaking his head, he, yes. He gets it. He knows. So I'll never be from here. But, as you know, this is the longest I've ever lived one place in my life. You're Eight a Sanfordian. A Sanfordian. Uh, Sanfordite? <laughs> Sanfordian is my favorite that I've ever heard. But my thing is, is the Charlotte Hornets, I, I always thought that was kind of a cool name. And I love their colors, the blue and the purple. It's great. So... I think that's awesome, but I never really had a good grasp on why you would name your team after an insect. Hmm. 
So I'm a little annoyed, truth be told, with our listenership out there. Because last week, if you recall, I asked for help. And I said, look, I need somebody out there that can clean gutters. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me a line. Get me squared away with somebody that can that cleans gutters. Did you find anybody? No, I did not. So Sunday afternoon, my wife was like, dude, we got to go take a run at these gutters. And I was like, all right, come on. So I had bought this tool, this spray tool that it doesn't work. So we just were resigned to, all right, we're going to get up there with a garden rake in our hands, and we're going to clean these gutters. So we're working. We got half. We, we, we didn't get half. We got down one side of the house. We get to the back. And we're making good time. We've got this. It's a system, and we're rotating in and out. You know, I'll get up there for a little while. Then my wife gets up there, and... and Wait, hold up. I, yeah, I know. Wait, hold up. Yeah, go ahead. I can't just let that fly by. You know cleaning the gutters is like the manliest thing you can do in terms of, you know, how you're looked at by your Look, significant other. I will take... And you had her running up a ladder, cleaning out leaves. I will take help anywhere I can get it as it applies to maintaining the home. So I did feel a little bad. But not so bad that I was going to tell her to get off that ladder. So it, we were going well. And, and normally when we undertake a project like that, it gets to a little snippiness. Oh, yeah. And I've been it there. didn't. It, everything was going smoothly. We were good. Now, I, I, need to, I need to dress this up a little bit. When I was a little kid, my great-grandfather fell off of a ladder. Hmm. He was working on a tree, chopping, you know, bringing down limbs. Fell off the ladder. And it was like an ordeal. And he broke his hip, broke his back. It was a mess. Mm. So that was something that my family talked about for years and years and years and years and years. So I developed at some point a fear of heights. But more than that, I have an irrational fear of ladders. Mm -hmm. If I'm on a stepladder, I've got some anxiety going on. My wife knows this about me. She loves me in spite of it. But ladders bother me. So I can do it, and I can I can man up, and I can go up a ladder, whatever the case might be, but my heart's going a million miles an hour. I'm kind of the same way. I don't I don't have a problem with heights. I just have a problem with falling. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Because I can I fly no problem. All the rest of that, looking out the window, I love it. All the rest of that, but it's the it's the falling off a ladder that is the biggest thing. And my wife knows about it, and I think that's why she came out. To initially just kind of hold the ladder, whatever. And it wasn't like I was freaking out going up and down this ladder. But she was out there and we were doing our thing. Well, we get to the back of the house and we're making good time. And I'm like, you know what? We may actually be able to finish this entire house this evening. And then. You fell. I hit a hornet's oh, nest. Oh, gosh. And when I hit it, it took a second for the pheromones to pop in and these hornets swarmed. And I was like, oh, my God. So I get down off the ladder, and they're buzzing around and, and all the rest of that. And I'm like, oh, God, this sucks. So I go in, and, of course, we have no wasp spray you or bug spray of any sort the house, in the house. So I sent the kid. I said, hey, go get some wasp spray, run down to Rose's, hook up some wasp spray, bring it back real quick. And I, and I say that, and that makes me want to punch something. I went inside the house to tell my kid, who was not out helping with this project. Oh, yeah. So, and that's just a fight not worth having because my wife treats her children as if they're made of porcelain. So he goes to Rose's, comes back. We're sitting, we're covered in muck from these gutters. Right. And comes back and they're closed. 
And you know how millennials think. They're not, hey, let me figure out a way to fix this and go to a different store. He just comes back empty-handed. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. So Ned's just like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, oh, come on. We can, we can get this. Let me put some gloves on, and you know, I'll plow through it real quick. And she's looking at me a little wide-eyed. And I'm like, ah, oh, we got this. I mean, it's just bugs. So I get back outside. And I back the ladder away from the house. Everything's calm. Everything's chill. And I'm thinking, maybe these hornets just decided, hey, the jig is up. We got to get out of here. This guy knows we're here. He's going to take our nest out of here. So I get up on the ladder with a garden rake. I'm at the top of this eight-foot ladder. And I go. And as soon as I get within about five inches of this hornet's nest, that I can't see, so I don't know exactly where it's at. Attack formation. Mm-hmm. Attack see, that, formation. And let me tell you something. I, I been, hold on. I'm gonna let you finish this off. Oh, don't lose no. your point. But that you're a true you're a true southerner now. See, you know what a redneck says right before he dies. <laughs> no. Hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> and I can just see you go, Nedge. Watch this as you're starting to provoke these hornet. This entire hornet's nest. So you're a true Sanfordian now, man. Tight. I'm glad to know that. I also have been stung and bitten by all manner of critter over the course of my life, much of which was spent living in the woods, living in the desert in the United States Army. So I'm like, how bad could it be? (laughs) Oh, how bad? You didn't tell me what hornet stings feel like. These guys, before I had even touched their nest... I've been stung twice through the glove and through my shirt. And, you know, the initial pain of a hornet sting is like, I don't know, man, being poked with a sharp needle, a a knife. I don't know. But there was no doubt in my mind as to what had just happened to me. So now I'm at the top of this ladder holding on to a garden rake. Yeah, that would have been the first thing I did was lose the rake. Dude. Dude. And I had three things going through my mind all at one time. First of all, get away from hornets. The second thing, don't impale yourself on the rake. And third, that's a long way down. Right. So I managed to throw my hands away. The rake goes flying, and I come down this ladder at record speed, and I'm running. And at the same time... My wife, my supportive, loving partner in life, gone. Down the driveway. Woof! She's out of there. So I'm watching her, and I'm like, God, she's running through the backyard. And I'm all I'm thinking is, please don't <laughs> fall. Please don't take a tumble, because I'm never going to hear the end of this, and she'll never help me do anything again. And at the same time, I'm trying to manage all of these three hazards at one time. I get down, and the pain in my hand, where this freaking hornet stung me through the glove. It it felt as if somebody slammed my hand in a car door. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? It went from being like a poke to this dull, horrifying, my hand just got smashed in a car door pain. And that's when it dawned on you. That's why they call them the Charlotte Hornets. (laughs) I knew it would get back to sports at some point. That was the Bef- whole thing. Is Before- in that instance, that was my first lucid thought after going through all that was, that's why they call them the Charlotte Hornets. 
they are bad. So, well, but, but but as we tie this back into sports, and I'm gonna let you do that. Yeah. The will side note is, you know, when you go to like a hardware store and there's like all these different kinds of bug spray, and you're like, Psh, come on, that's like Homer Simpson <laughs> Duff Beer Duff Beer Light. It's all the same stuff, right? And it was funny because I went home and there's like this wasp ant killers slash roach over here and i'm like it's all the same stuff so i I get this i have i go out to my shop and there's a there's uh these fire ants which are i think even worse than a hornet they should that's the next sports name is fire ants and i'm looking at these fire ants and i'm like wasp spray is gonna take care of this i go i spray it and then in unison they just look at me like (laughs) what are you trying to do (laughs) that has zero effect on me they're doing lines of spray <laughs> off the ground. They're just drinking it up like the nectar from the gods. <laughs> Dude. So that's I, the next sports team name is the Fire Ants. Well, there is Fire Ants. Oh, is there? Yeah. Is it is a minor league baseball? Riley Fire Ants. So they play, what do they play? Hockey? Costin? Something. Costin, you know we'll facts. Look that up. It's, it's something. Look it up. Fire. Yeah, there is definitely a Fire Ants squad somewhere. I think in North Carolina. I don't know. Whatever. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, I have newfound respect for the team name, the Hornets. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I did at some point last night think, what if um, these are like special Hornets? And what if I like what if, what if what if I transform into some sort of insect guy like in the fly? I was really concerned about. Well, that. you know what I want to see happen, just to see if you gain the same respect. Is I want to see you interact with a pelican, and see if. See what kind of fighting skills a pelican has. I would actually pay good money to see you fight a pelican. Dude, I don't know about pelicans, man, but I have lived at the beach in a couple instances in my life. And there is not enough respect given to seagulls. Seagulls, not not great fighters. But the the efficiency that they will jack your food is incredible. You can't be... What you got, Costin? I had... had, yeah, the Fayetteville Fire Ants. The Fayetteville Marksman. Come on, dude. That's lame. Yeah, I've got a I've actually got a hat. I won it at a golf tournament. I don't know what sport do they play? Minor league hockey. Of course they do. Doesn't fi- come on, Fire Ants is so much better. And now that I'm thinking about that, I'm like, how did I not remember the 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 Fire Ants? Yeah. yeah, come on. Now they're the marksman. Worst name ever. Marksman is lame. It's lame. I'm, I'm very disappointed with minor league hockey in Fayetteville, North Carolina now. Anyway, um, I, I think we're going into a break. Uh, this is Chris Lambert. We'll, t- we'll talk sports. This is Chris Lambert. That's Brandon Atkins. We'll get back to something more meaningful in a while. Stay tuned to From the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. Check her out. Oh, man. I like that. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. 
Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law, and that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow-drying, more time texting? Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ed Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous, too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. All the talk of insects is out of our system. Almost. Almost. Roy, Roy Coston, our illustrious engineer, producer. You see Santa Cruz. He dropped that on us. Is known as the banana slugs, which classifies somehow as an insect. I don't know. I think it's a really cool name. You, you That's a good question. That or, what is a slug? A slug is like a snail without a shell. Well, what's a snail? Is a snail an insect? We're gonna have to. Costin. We're gonna have to. We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to do some out. research, man. I don't know about all that. So, uh, uh, I said we had it all out of our system. I guess I lied. I didn't mean to. I, I apologize if I've offended anybody. And uh, yeah, whatever. So the ESPN NBA power rankings, which are you know six months too early, are out. And there's some surprises here. There's some surprises, and and I'll be honest with you. You know, the four letter network. It's it's fun to take shots at them. Um, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to anything that comes out of anybody's mouth over on that particular network. But I didn't want to do this without giving them credit. So Milwaukee Bucks they have as number one going into the next season, and I am a Giannis guy. I was on the Giannis train before yeah, most people were. were. Um, I don't know that I can put Milwaukee at number one 
not because I'm, you know, one of those guys, oh, the West is so great, you know, the West is so strong. I just don't like what Milwaukee's done this offseason. That's my problem. I mean, they didn't add anything of substance during the draft. They lose Malcolm Brogdon. They lose Nikola Miritich. And they add two real throwaway players in the bigger scheme of things. Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews, um, who really aren't going to do a whole lot for that squad. Robin Lopez, in particular, is not... I don't know how he fits other than he's Brooke Lopez's brother. And I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. This is a team that loves to space the floor and basically you know, create a ring around the three-point line, let Giannis either create or they shoot a three. Right. They're sort of, you know, the Houston Rockets east, and Lopez can't shoot at all. So I don't know why he was brought in, and I, I'm only half-joking when I say maybe that was part of Brooke Lopez committing to stay there, was to bring his brother in. I Could that possibly be it? Or is there some kind of mechanical basketball fit that I don't understand? Be it's probably just the brother thing. You think so? I want to see my brother more. Well, bring and, him on. And, and to be honest, I mean, people that think that I'm making that up or being stupid about it, the Morris twins have done that. They actually signed a contract together at one point to go play. I don't know, man, because from a basketball standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense. And Nikola Maricic, a very underrated ball player. Um, losing him, I think, is a big deal. Brogdon, Brogdon was hurt a lot of last year, but Brogdon is one of the he, he's one of the most efficient offensive players in the NBA, and now he's not available. I don't like that the Bucks took a step backwards, and they had to because they had to pay Chris Middleton, um, who's now on a max deal out there. So that brings me to sort of my next point because this is the first of these that we're going to talk about. Well, my, well, before you get to your next point, the Bucks haven't won anything yet. Do they know how to win? That's why I question them being at number one. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, hear you. And maybe they get a little nod because outside of the Sixers, you got to go way down the pace before, before you see the Celtics. The East is just so – I mean, you can go ahead and pencil in the Bucks into the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, the one thing I will say for them is that they've got a dynamic duo that was already intact. And that's the that's the watchword right now, isn't it? But dynamic duo, and all of these teams going creating these dynamic duos via free agency or trades. The Milwaukee Bucks got a pretty good one. You got two legit all stars there with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is, for my money, the best player in basketball. And I know that some people are going to say LeBron. I know that some people are going to say Kawhi. I get it, and I respect your argument. Giannis, to me, is the most impactful, most valuable player in basketball. But Chris Middleton is really, really, really good as well. So in terms of that, I just want you to kind of commit that to memory because I want to talk about these duos as we move forward. Plus, he I spells, don't like the Bucks at one. Plus, he spells his first name with a K. K-H, Chris. Yes. So he's that, he's that powerful. He can use that. You know... I don't know where you're going to go next because it seems like one of our listeners is texting you. Over. No, he just he just hit me up uh, telling me about the Fire Ants. Austin Thomas with a shout-out. There used to be a minor league hockey team in Fayetteville called the Fire Ants. Now they're the Fayetteville Marksmen. He should be in sports media. Oh, wait, he is. Yeah. You can hear Austin doing baseball on W. I, I, I guess they do it. Is it across both networks? I don't know. We'll have to find out for Hockaday. Yeah. But when high school baseball rolls around, Austin Thomas is your guy. 
is your guy. So if you got any more nuggets out there, send them on. Send them on. In fact, you know what? We're almost an hour in. I want to hear from the general public. If you're interested in giving us a call, you can hit us up at 866-465-3110. That's 866-465-3110. We'd love to hear from you. You can talk about tennis. You can talk about basketball. You can talk about whatever you want. I am ADD. I can react to anything. Um, and we'll probably never get back on track if you call us about something random. But anyway. Speaking of getting off track, remember a couple of shows ago we did best sports names? Yes. How come none of us said... We didn't do... Did we do best or did we do worst? Well, I think we kind of did both at the oh, same okay. time. How did we not come up with Usain Bolt? That's a good one. I was driving in my car yesterday. I'm like, Usain Bolt. In terms of the sport, he actually... How better can you come up with a name you than can. that? That is pretty Is perfect. that the best one ever? Maybe? Uh, it's, a, it's right up there. Yeah, see, I think Brandon's misremembering. I think they, we might have dropped some good names in there, but we were talking about bad names. Yeah, I know. And 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 I felt horrible because we did include Phil Ford in the worst names a week and before then a we week had him on the show. Later, he's on the show, and I'm like, uh, "Yes, Mr. Ford. Yes, Mr. Ford." That is I, the that, only guest we've had on in which we referred to him as Mister. And yes. I noticed that when we didn't coordinate that. All of us called him. Well, maybe I didn't. Maybe Brick called him Phil. Maybe I'm not sure. But both you and I were like, Mister <laughs> Ford. Yeah, when you get your raft, you, when your jersey's in the rafters at, at UNC, you're the second overall pick in the draft. Yeah, you're you're Mister. Yeah, you're Mister. I got. I have respect. So, number two in these power rankings, and I think this is this is inspired, but this is another team that has a lot to prove. And like you said, Brandon, hadn't won anything. They've got the Denver Nuggets there in the two spot. And again, we're talking about one of these duos of, of players that is not marquee names. They're not household guys. They don't have commercials. But these two kids can play some basketball. And I'm talking about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. If I had, we, I made this statement to you over the weekend. If I had the run of a basketball team today in the NBA and had to pluck two players off of a roster to build around moving into the future, I'm not sure Jokic and Jamal Murray are not in my top four or five. Yeah, you've said that before. And those guys, the Nuggets, while the Bucks didn't get any better, the Nuggets essentially add Michael Porter Jr. this year. Are we actually going to get to see this guy play We basketball? have forgotten about this dude, and we don't know. I mean, we the last time we saw him was at the draft a year ago, and the kid could barely walk up and down the stairs. I mean, this is a guy who played, what, one, two college games? The one. He was one in there for college. like eight minutes, took himself out. No, no, he did because he came back at the very end and couldn't shoot. So um, then he, he came back out, for the tournament, if you remember. Then he sits out all last year, Yes, right? With but back issues. the whispers coming out of Denver is they're excited about this kid. and And, you know, a lot of times... These guys, you know, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe whatever. Michael Porter Jr. going into last year was the absolute odds-on lock to be the first player taken in the draft, period. There was no question. Michael Porter Jr. coming in as a freshman to Missouri was seen as the number one player in the country, period. A guy that's big, he's long, can shoot the three, handle the ball. If he's healthy... And you add this cat into a mix like they've got in Denver where he does not need to go out and score 20 a night. 
if he can come in and give him eight to 12 a night and help stretch the floor, take minutes away from somebody, Michael Porter Jr. would be a great addition. And then Jeremy Grant, who they gave up a, a one for from OKC a week or so ago, Jeremy Grant is a nice ball player. He's a great two way player. He's very athletic. Um, I like what they've done a whole lot more than some of the other teams around them that sort of stood pat. And then you get into all of the teams that have been going crazy in free agency. The Clippers are at three, the Rockets at five, the Lakers at six, Boston at seven. None of those teams look anything like what they did last year. Were you surprised Lakers fell to six? Shocked. And I think that's a that's a, a matter of somebody trying too hard. The Lakers are not the sixth best team in basketball, period. I'm not a Laker fan. I'm not a huge LeBron fan, although I respect his game. But the Lakers being the sixth best team in the NBA is silly. I mean, you can look at these tandems of players, call them dynamic duos, whatever you want to. That's great. But you're talking about the Lakers who legitimately have two of the top ten, perhaps two of the top five players in the NBA. And for those of you that don't remember, LeBron James, this was the first time he hadn't been in the finals in nine years. This is the greatest basketball player going. Now, the question I have with the Lakers is, is this LeBron 2019 version? Yeah. What's he look like relative to the 2015, 2016 version? If we get that LeBron in there, it's the best team in basketball. Period. Your thoughts? I've been saying that since this whole thing started. As soon as they got AD, I was like, the Lakers, well, as they continue to add players, I mean, Danny Green, you get Cousins. If Cousins come comes back at least as good before his last injury with Golden State, I think he's a, a significant piece. And I'm sitting here looking at Clippers. After you get past Beverly, Lou Williams maybe the next best player on that team? Or? Oh, no. I like Montrez Harrell. You like Harrell? A lot. So, a lot, I mean, a lot. I just don't see why you all just automatically anoint like the Clippers, you know, I, I'm, I was surprised coming in here to see the Bucks and the Nuggets. Well, I'm not, not sure that I wouldn't have the Clippers at three. I mean, I I have no problem. And if the Lakers had been two, or the Lakers had been four, or the Lakers had been one, I you you can. It depends on how you look at this thing. I think that right now there is more certainty with what Kawhi and Paul George are going to look like health wise and game wise. They are in their prime. There is no doubt oh, about yeah. that. The question with regard to LeBron is. Has he passed his prime? And is this, you know, him and AD on a more human level? Because here, three years ago, if you put Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the same team, championship. Championship. They're one in every ranking. They win 65 games. They cruise to a championship. The questions are because we have seen some chinks in LeBron's armor. The question, the, the biggest question of 19, 2019, 2020 is was that a blip on the radar for LeBron? Or are we starting to see him be human? This is a guy, this is not Kevin Durant. This is not Steph Curry. This is not Kawhi Leonard, a guy that we've seen get hurt and they bounce back from it. And you're like, ah, oh, well, they get, you know, they're li- like liable to get hurt. LeBron had been invincible. He never missed any time to injury and then had one that effectively ruined his entire season. 
and he probably came back a little bit too early from it. But one way or the other, not the same guy we had seen. So that is the question. And to think that we already have the answer to that and people saying, well, this is year 17 and he's not going to be this. Dude, don't bet against LeBron James. He, he will hurt your feelings. All right, we'll talk We'll talk more NBA on the other side of the break. If you'd like to chime in, 866 465 3110. Stay tuned. From the cheap seats, we'll be right back. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, national sports with a Carolina twist. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seas. Second hour, second hour, we're hanging in there. And I said to you going into the break, I was thinking, I, th- I think we're doing okay. And you looked at me like, you're an idiot. We used to do this all the time. Yeah, we, this, well, is, this is how it started. Well, it, it wasn't always that good. You know, the first time we did it, 
I think we were talking about Alabama football for like an hour. <laughs> the first time we ever did this, I came in literally with a, like a FBI file folder full of notes. And I was like, we're going to go here. And I had them timed in my notes. We're going to talk about this for two and a half minutes. We're going to talk about this for three and a half minutes. And we got through like four things yeah. and a case of Bud Light. And uh, <laughs> it, it just didn't work out. So it's the same thing, except there's no notes uh, to speak of and uh, no Bud Light, which I, I kind of I kind of miss. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. We, we that was when to... we were doing the show in the afternoons, too, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it would be fun to go back and listen to some of those. Do we have all those files? I, I love how you just, like, ducked that and wanted to make sure everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> we don't day drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then we introduced uh, Robert Bricky to the show, and, and it went to a whole new level. So, whatever. Um, so I got to talk about oh. attention to detail real quick, okay? Because, or is David Glenn Town? Say, David Glenn says attention to detail. Attention to detail. No, it's attention to detail. But Bean Town was supposed to find us some information about banana slugs because I want to know if they qualify as an insect. Mm-hmm. That's what your question was, right? Yeah, yeah. So what he sends they? me the Latin name, the scientific name of banana slugs, and. It, for those who care, it's terrestrial gastropod mollusk. Awesome. Great. Uh, I, I still don't know if it's an if, if it's an insect, and I would appreciate you like actually doing what we asked you well, to do. Well, actually, it is a mollusk. <laughs> I kind of knew that. A, a mollusk. Mollusk. But our it's mollusk, in the mollusk it, family. Don't you have mollusks in the sea? Isn't it? Yeah, but they are. They're also land mollusks. So, <laughs> so am I? Am I correct in saying um, that scallops are? Mollusks. Are mollusks are this are scallops mollusks? Mollusks are shellless. Okay, but a, but a, a slug doesn't a slug it? Wait a minute, a slug builds a shell and becomes a snail, right? No, no. So that's at, not how at it that works. point, at that point, is it no longer a terrestrial gastropod mollusk? Just a gastropod. All so right. I'm looking out the cool. win- the studio window. And John Hockaday's walking by. He's on the phone. He's These got guys to be- are so fired. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are gone. <laughs> no, I'll say this one thing. Back to the LeBron thing. and uh, You know, I feel like people are trying to, to retire him too early. You know what I mean? I, I don't disagree with that. So, I mean, if you really look at last year's stats, he had better stats last year across the board than he did the previous year. I just look at a guy who was carrying the load. I mean, people say, well, you know, he stopped playing defense. If you were on that squad, wouldn't you be a little reluctant to play defense too if he's trying to carry the whole team? And then he gets injury, then he's out for 18 games, he tries to come back, and then they shut him down for the season. My thing is, if you look at this guy work out, he looks every bit like the LeBron James of two or three years ago. Well, that was a, that was something that, that it took the national media a little while to, to get a handle on. LeBron, especially post-injury, was huge. I mean, bigger than I'd ever seen him be. And I think that might have been to his detriment, but I'm not willing to install the Lakers at number one and say they're the favorite to win a championship. Not by any stretch of the imagination. No, you have to see a healthy LeBron. And part of that speaks back to something you've said years ago where we were in one of our epic Jordan-LeBron debates about LeBron and the Dirk Nowitzki championship where they beat that dream team heat squad mm-hmm. and that your your ra- rationale for that is what was their first year together they were still trying to figure out how to play with one another 
Well, this is year two in L.A. for LeBron, but they don't have any continuity from last year. And this is this is legitimately on a on an unprecedented scale an entirely new team. Well, let me ask you a question then. Yeah, out of all these duos duos that have just been put together, don't you like the one that includes the big? You know, you don't really. It's you're not using like a Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, George Paul. We both play the same position, the exact same style. You got somebody that you can throw the ball into. It's got to be easier to figure out how to play with a big than it is with someone who plays just like you. I do think that there's some validity to that. And that's one of the reasons I look at it is if I'm putting together a basketball team, if if you think back and and if you were making a basketball cartoon or a basketball movie and you were putting players together, you know, you think back to something like Fat Albert, if they were playing a a basketball game, you got guys of all different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are very much the same player. Now, they're both very good players. Kawhi is a great player. I'm not willing to put Paul George on that level. But they're both you know, prototypical small forwards. The thing that they have going for them is there is no question about their willingness and ability to play defense. Right. And when you talk about wing defenders, this is as good a wing defending tandem as we've seen probably since Jordan and Pippen. And that's that's a statement right there. Because as good as that Bulls team was offensively, their secret weapon, their weapon of mass destruction, was their half-court defense. Right. Because Pippen and Jordan were going to lock down your wings, which is where your scoring was coming from. You had guys like Ron Harper and Will Purdue, Bill Winnington, that, that host of centers that rotated through there. Then you put Rodman in the mix. They would just beat you up on defense and make you work for 24 seconds every single possession. That's where I like the Clippers. And they've got Patrick Beverly. Well, you know, people forget the Jordan-Utah series, they always look at the Byron-Houston, not Byron-Houston, what's his, Russell. Yes. The Byron-Russell push-off. But the play before that is Jordan stealing the ball from Karl Malone. Yes. And people do forget about how dominant they were defensively. Yeah, I mean, defensively, that Bulls team is as good as it gets. There have been some other historic teams that played defense like that, but you've got these guys now for the next three years in L.A., and Patrick Beverly's there for the next few years. Montrez Harrell is a very, very nice post defender you got four really really top shelf defenders there with the clippers i like that matchup but to go back to what i was saying when you when you look at what the lakers did is they've got pieces that have been added that played different roles for that team and lebron and ad there's no denying how good those guys are. You could you could find things to trash. Yeah, AD hadn't won. You know, he's won one, one playoff series in his career so far. Okay, great. Well, now he gets to play with LeBron. How many playoff series had Kevin Love won when he got to play with right. LeBron? Well, plus you know, he's the big he's the big mistake eraser. Like, yes, if you get beat, then you got to deal with AD. You got that dude, and and people have people. Frankly, the the viewing public remember Anthony Davis from Kentucky. Now, at Kentucky, he was a force in the middle. The NBA, defensively, he is a next-level defender. As it comes to post defenders, there are three guys in the conversation as the best post defender in basketball. Rudy Gobert, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Anthony Davis, period. Those three guys are game-changers in the middle because, like you said, they're mistake erasers. You can beat your man, and now you've got to navigate this big horse 
who is coming downhill at me and will attack the basketball, and I've got to get it over this ridiculous just, wingspan. It's a, it, it is a game changer. Well, just imagine, and I'm not saying uh, that Kawhi Leonard can be locked down, but you got a couple of defenders on the Lakers now that if you watch Kawhi play in the, these playoffs – Somehow he gets to the basket. You yes, know what I mean? It's, it's just and it's almost in slow motion. Yeah, it's it? almost in slow motion. You don't really know how he's doing it. But imagine not saying Danny Green can lock down Kawhi Leonard. Please don't look at me like I'm crazy. But it's a hard get around, right? You know, it's probably one of the harder ones in the league with the link and his speed and his athleticism. Then you beat him. Then AD's right there. Like, I get I it. like that. I, I, I get it. And and when you look at it, in most nights, you're not going to be having to lock down a Kawhi Leonard. The when you look at it from the other perspective, too, though, is that the Clippers may be built best to beat the Lakers because they've got not one guy. They've got two guys that yeah. can check LeBron James in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You know, both of them, a lot of times when we hear about guys' defense, it's a little overrated. And LeBron James, I think, is a guy like that. We can see him in instances where he makes great defensive plays. He's got the rundown block. He'll make a strip steal, do whatever. But 40 minutes a night, he's not playing tough defense. Michael Jordan was sort of the same way. Jordan, during the regular season, at crunch time, would lock you down, play tough defense, could do his thing. Then you have other guys whose whose numbers get inflated. Harden, as a matter of fact. Harden finished last year in the top three in steals. I was shocked. Nobody's going to – well, part of that's because he's playing 42, 43 minutes a night. True. Um, and he's on the guy who has the ball. So, yeah, he's going to luck up into a couple of steals. So there are, there are guys that can develop a reputation as defenders who don't necessarily warrant it. Let me tell you something. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played defense every trip down the floor with great energy and great ability. They're as good defensively as they are offensively. So it's going to be interesting. I do worry, though, that when you look at their absolute comfort zone, they play the same position so they've got the chemistry issues to overcome more so than lebron and ad because ad's not going to want the ball in his hands you know every possession every trip down where the offense goes through him i'm about to hit you with what they call a teaser in radio i'm looking down the power rankings we're going to talk about where Golden State landed after all their departure. I can't wait to hear. And Robert Bricky's here to talk about it with us. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina on WFJ 105.5 FM. The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC, broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. 
One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back to the show. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and the inimitable Robert Ricky has walked into the studio. We are from the cheap seats. We're still down a man. I'm missing I'm missing me some Professor Trent Nichols the, today. The grumpy edge of the show was gone. Uh, and you said grumpy, and I forgot. We've added to his name. He is now Professor Trent A. Nichols. Um, no, no, nobody to go off. So Brick, we, we, we've been we've been talking about the NBA power rankings and you know, oh wait a minute! Before we jump into that, I gotta. So Bricky, the show just got better. Bricky, when he comes into the studio, we were actually lamenting about us doing this by ourselves in the old days, right. and how we were like, we kind of looked at each other like, hey, it's not that bad. <laughs> but the show just got better. But Bricky's coming in the studio, and I'm like, earlier we were talking about Chris cleaning his gutters, and I'm saying, check out what this fool did. He had his wife up on the ladder. Helping him clean the gutters. Do you? You're shaking your head. That's crazy right now. To what's the first thing that entered your mind when he had his wife up on a ladder I, cleaning out the gutters I, with hornets on it? I thought you were going to follow that statement immediately by saying she kicked him out of the house, <laughs> <laughs> or she left or filed for divorce or something. Look, I, I cannot lie. This was not supposed to be a tandem project when we started, and I was more shocked than anybody. That she actually was out there. She will be the first to tell you she is not built for manual labor. Right. That's not a dig at her. That though, that is something she says often. You know what she is built for though? What's that? A forty yard dash down the driveway <laughs> as you're getting attacked by hornets. <laughs> she totally <laughs> ditched him. To her credit, about fifty feet into her runaway, she did look back and was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> 
She may have sabotaged you. She may have known there were hornets there. It is just because possible. you made her get on the ladder. It, it probably it, she does watch all those shows about how the spouse kills the husband. Oh, she was yeah. trying to I be the subject of one. Hey, yeah, man, I I didn't even think about that. Well, now you know. Wow. So the teaser I gave you basically, I want. I'm looking at the power rankings, and the one thing I keep scrolling, I keep scrolling, I'm looking for Golden State. Where are they? They end up at a number 11. And I'm looking at their ads and subtractions, and I couldn't help but ask the question. You know, they got D'Angelo Russell coming. They've lost. I mean, I guess they basically just waived Sean Livingston, which I don't really understand. I'm not not liking that either. Um, But my question to you guys, if you know, and I don't want to make it totally LeBron-centric, but what does this say about Steph Curry and his his rankings in terms of one of the better players? Because I have a feeling that if I put a healthy LeBron on that team in Golden State, they're at least inside the top ten. Wait a minute. I want to make sure I understand your statement. You're saying that if you subtract Steph Curry from that team as it stands right now and you add LeBron onto that roster, that you think that's a what kind of team? It's a better contender? team than it's better. It's better than eleventh in the power rankings. Well, I know that for a fact. I mean, you add, you added D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley Stein, Glenn Robinson third, you, which you, you actually you, like. I, I like Glenn Robinson the third because I think he's a good fit for that squad, and he came in on a minimum deal essentially. Now, Glenn Robinson the third's guess has been overpaid for a few years. Finally, outlived that bad contract, and they got him in there very cheap. He's a guy that's going to shoot forty to forty-five percent from three. He's got some length to him, so I like Gr three for this team as a role player. But when you look up and down that roster now, Iguodala's gone, Cousins gone, Durant's gone, Livingston's gone. Um, Thompson is going to miss almost the entire year. I don't know where Golden State's going to end up, but this is a defining year for Steph Curry because Curry is going to be doing this solo. I mean, he and Draymond Green are going to have to drive this train, and they don't necessarily have to vie for a championship this year for it to be a defining moment for Steph Curry. If they're one of the top four or five teams in the NBA, I think that people can say, okay, Steph really is one of the best players we've seen. If they fall off a cliff and they struggle to make the playoffs in the West, that's an I don't. I think that's a pretty nasty indictment on Steph Curry. So we've got to watch and see that play out. He's another Bricky. guy, though. I'm not going to bet against this cat. Right. Bricky, you're playing in the NBA right now. Given the, the style of game, would you rather play with a LeBron James or would you rather play with a Steph Curry? I like the system in Golden State. I like the way they move the ball, screen, cut, pass. They have high IQ guys. I'd rather play in that system. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell is a heck of a pickup, but he's an ISO guy. That's what he spent his time doing in, in Brooklyn. So will he adjust to the style of play? I think he will. He's a, he's a good player. So I think you're right, though. I think this will define a lot about Curry as an individual player. He can do a lot of things, but when you're 12 and 19, that feels a lot different than 19 and 12. Well, I'm gonna, did I'm you gonna see what just happened. Then I tried to ask him a trap question, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Dude, I got to move." For that. <laughs> Dude, Dude I saw that trouble. question coming three questions ago. Yes. Let me go ahead and handle this. But I was just making a comment to Chris. 
is if I'm a, a run the floor kind of player, mm-hmm. the last player I want to play with is Curry. Because I mean, I could run the hunt, you know, from inline to inline, bust my butt getting down there, and he's going to jack a three point shot as soon as he gets past the, the you know half court line. Right. I think that one of the reasons he's able to get away with that is people dig that dude. I mean, yeah. he obviously his teammates like him. They don't hold it against him. They have fun playing in that system. And I think that there's a confidence those guys have that eventually I'm going to get mine. But you're right. Running baseline to baseline, there are some players that's not going to work with. I think that the combination they've had in Golden State, it worked okay. I'm wondering, the, the guy that I look at in, this, in these pickups for Golden State, there's two of them that I have questions about. First of all, Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein is a guy coming out of Kentucky who fancied himself one of the best players coming out. Up through last year, this guy coming into last season was constantly making statements about playing himself into a max deal. This guy hadn't sniffed that kind of success in the NBA. So I'm wondering where he's what, what sort of headspace he's in in Golden State. Does he think that he's coming in and I'm, oh, they lose to Marcus Cousins, and I'm here. The guy, I'm the guy. They're just going to plug in, and we're going to walk to a championship. Or if he understands, maybe I need to understand. I'm a more of a role player in the NBA, so I want to see how Willie Cauley Stein looks there because he obviously, from a financial standpoint, has aspirations. And I wonder if he's going to try to get his in spite of the system, or if he's going to recognize, hey, if I fall in here, I can have a really nice career. I'm probably not going to be an All Star but I might be able to get a ring at some point down the road. Now, with D'Angelo Russell, the common thinking amongst the talking heads seems to be, well, Golden State had to get something for Durant, and they saw an opportunity here, and he's a guy that they'll play until Clay comes back, and then they'll ship him somewhere and add more assets. I disagree completely. I think that two years from now, that will be a three-guard lineup that they're running with D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson all on the floor together a lot of the time. D'Angelo Russell did play a lot of iso ball with New Jersey. Or with Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It'll always always be New Jersey in my heart. With Brooklyn. With the Nets, he did play a lot of iso ball, but I don't think his skill set is limited to that. I think he can be a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, I think he's grown up a lot. He's a kid that had he stayed another year or two at Ohio State – probably would have been a lot coming into league. There would have been a lot more expectations. Um, He wasn't ready for the NBA when he got there. I think he's there, and I think for him, for a guy that's had a moderate level of success, he was an all-star last year, he has shown he can be the go-to guy. I think he went to the right system. If this kid had got shipped out somewhere to, you know, wherever, and went in there to be the man, I think it could have gone badly because, you know, he'd have fallen in love with the ISO game right. and done it. Going into Golden State, that's not going to play. You're going to do it Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's way, and I hope that he assimilates into that offense because I think, I honestly think, that Curry, Russell, Thompson, if the chemistry works when Thompson comes back, I do think they're a contender with that roster. Now, they've got, some, they've got some things they need to do to fill in the gaps, and they're not the super team they were with Durant, Thompson, and Curry. But when you throw Draymond Green into that mix, he is still the same matchup nightmare. And with those three guys on the floor plus another shooter, you've still got the same spacing issues that has made Golden State so great over the last five or six years. So I think Russell's there long term. Only time is going to tell. 
the other piece of that too, and and you've seen it throughout free agency, where some teams are making moves and they're like, we want these expiring contracts. There's value in these expiring contracts. Next year, there is no value in these expiring contracts. There is the, this year of free agency has been amazing. It's not going to be that way next year. Draymond Green, who's probably not going to leave Golden State now that Duran is gone. Draymond Green is the head of that class by a long margin. The next best guy that's available is Eric Gordon. And Eric Gordon is not going to move the dial for anybody. So these teams that are looking forward and trying to get money off their books so they can be active in free agency, their free agency pickups are going to look a lot more like the New York Knicks did this year where they're adding the Bobby Portises of the world. No offense to Bobby Portis, but you're not going to deliver a championship anywhere. Brick, your thoughts about Golden State and Russell. Can this work? I think so. I love the fact you can space the floor with three guys that can really make a three. That makes everything so much easier, driving opportunities. Um, Draymond Green and, and Willie Collins. That's where he's going to have his success is playing off of those other three guys where they demand the majority of the attention defensively. And you get to pick and roll and pick and pop if you can make a shot. That's when you find your success. He's that guy that had potential. And then year two, we were waiting on the same potential. Year three, year four. And now we're at a place where he is what he is. And he's got to learn to maximize that role. And I, But great, Golden State's a phenomenal place to do it. Speaking of space and what it can do for, for big guys, Marquise Bolden the Duke Center, who at one point was one of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school, never kind of got to that level with the Blue Devils, got himself an NBA contract this weekend. And he's going to Cleveland, and I love that fit for him because I love that guy. I think he's a great guy. Right. Um, and I think he's got the tools. I think he was in the wrong offense at Duke for him to really excel. Right. And I'm not sure he's not a guy that a couple of years from now we're not going to be like, hey, he's a good ball player. Your yeah. thoughts? You know what I love about it? One, everybody needs a rim protector. Yep. If he can develop a, a gym hook and be fairly consistent with that, he can rebound. You know, if he gives you 10 and 7 and block a couple of shots, that's a great night for him. And anybody in the league can use a guy coming off the bench to give you that kind of production. Well, and you saw him at Duke cycle through a couple different eras of Duke teams where he was not the focal point of the offense, and it never seemed to bother him. He didn't need to be the guy with the spotlight on him, putting up double-doubles and the rest of it. He was going to go out there and do what he did. I think what you said, needs to develop a little bit more offensive game, footwork, but he's a guy that is a rim protector. He's going to grab you rebounds, going to play tough both ends of the floor, and he's on a team that is absolutely horrible. And those minutes have to go to somebody. Right. So best wishes to Marquise Bolden. Let's see if we can get him on the show at some point. I think we might be able to pull that off. All right, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at CheapSeatRadio.com. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.CheapSeatRadio.com. Have you
Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, we've gotten some input, but nobody's wanted to come on the air yet. You can call us at 866-465-3110. That's 866-465-3110 if you want to chime in. And, hey, there's a spoiler alert coming. So here in the next uh, 30 seconds or so, divert your ears away from the, the whatever you're listening on because I want to talk about Stranger Things for just a minute. But you guys, I walked into a conversation as I came back in studio, and you guys were talking about Stranger Things. Both of you, both of you watched the entire thing. I do not. You, you haven't watched it at all. I've watched two episodes. What, dude? It is like a love song from the '80s written for us Gen Xers. Everything in that show is perfect. All the way down to the very end of season three where Paul Reiser shows up. And I'm like, they couldn't have found anybody better. That dude was everywhere in the late 80s, early 90s. And he makes an appearance there at the very end. But Stranger Things, so season two ends with the male hero figure disappearing. He's gone. He's out of there. He's dead. Season three, same thing. This is where the spoiler comes in. I think for season four, I think, should I say the name? Would people really be upset with me if I say who dies? Brandon, you make the call. Go for it, man. All right, here comes the spoiler. Hopper dies at the end of season three, but I don't think he's dead. 
I think he's still alive and kicking. I think that somehow he's been transported to Russia and he's being held there. And I think he's going to be back because I think to have killed the male primary adult figure in there twice in a row, I think is just kind of played. You know, so I think that's the twist. The first coming. thing I thought of, it was total like there's enough room on the raft argument. You couldn't give Homeboy 15 more seconds to hop up there in the studio with you. That's the thing. You know, why, why, like, why were you in such a hurry? All you had to do was walk across the catwalk. And he instead is looking like, go, go ahead. ahead and do <laughs> And why in a rider can't give him, you know, you've been through so much together, you can't give him 10 more seconds? He just got done fighting this, you know, Russian assassin just to give you enough time to, like, turn the keys. How about, here's, instead of you having to use that lasso in your arm, how about let Hopper turn the other key at the same time? I, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I, I didn't understand why that went down the way it did, but that just plays into my theory. I think he's still alive. I have a question for you guys, though. You know, people say they have a type, you know, when it comes to the opposite sex. I have a type. I don't really have a type. But I would say that my type would probably not include waifish sort of brunette small women like Winona Ryder. For whatever reason, though, I had a crush on Winona Ryder for years when she was at her height before she was doing Netflix television series. But as she has aged, what do you think on a, on a 10 scale? Where's Winona Ryder on that scale? Oh, man, this is so bad. Um, so sexist. She has her moments. I'll put it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever know, you know, you ever know, known of a person? First of all, your type is the, the type that breathes. Okay, Chris? <laughs> but, um, you know, my thing is, is that she has her moments on the show where she looks very attractive. And there's some moments where she looks... You slide into the haggard type of haggard, you say. Well, she's being chased by alien demon aliens. I mean, that has a tendency to make you you don't look your possible best. You know, like when I roll out of bed in the morning, I look like I look like one of those aliens. Well, my thing, my my biggest beef with this show is that the oldest of her kids on the show, who's played by a an actor, I don't even know what the kid's name is. I don't know. I say kid. But at the end, as they're moving away to a new town, the oldest of these kids is like, well, we have to move, and i got to go to a new town. And I'm looking, and I'm like, this dude's like 30 years old. Why are you moving with your – you have to move with your mom? For real? How about you get a job, dude? <laughs> I thought the same thing. Why, <laughs> right? Why does <laughs> – I looked this kid up, and I, he legit is 25 years old. The thing about it is – the biggest thing that changed, well, first of all, you defeated the aliens. Okay, well done. Golf clap. Hopper dies, and then all of a sudden, everybody's got to move away from each other. Yes. What was up with that? I, I don't know. You would think there's a bond there. But this kid, at the, his last line is like, 17 years of my life packed up in a box. 17 years of your life. What, you moved there when you were 19? Come on, dude. You're not fooling anybody. And they've got the makeup caked on this dude so hard because they're trying to hide the 5 o'clock shadow. 17? Come on, guy. Come on. You're my contemporary, not a 17-year-old kid. So casting sometimes in these shows just cracks me up, especially as it applies to these kids. i got to tell you something. You talked about the music, right? The music's great. On the music's it. fantastic. It inspired me one time after a, few, a, few, a couple of months ago well it's been about a month ago maybe it wasn't during the show anyway that genre of music you know those infomercials where they have 
all these different songs from the past in the 80s and stuff like that. Classic rock. Yes. Time Life I, presents. I actually, I've never bought anything off a of TV in my entire life. And after a few adult beverages, I ordered the whole box no, set. Not. <laughs> I got I got every good song from the 80s. And... Uh, yeah, oh! exactly. Bean Town with the plug. Perfect. Was that, was that on the was that on the radio? Does I think everybody heard that. No, he oh no, he said, he says, well, into you, our ears only that you should have just turned in tuned into WFJA. Well, which is thought, a, a fair statement. Well, it is. What it, you what you should have done is called your boy because I own all of those songs already. You probably have them on files. Yes. Right? Yeah. See mine, yes. you gotta burn through a you know, a disc of about 11 horrible songs to get to the three that you want to hear. Dude. But anyway. I'm so excited for you, man. That's that's really cool. I didn't know that you had done that. And I didn't know how uh, how apt you were to succumb, you know, after a couple adult beverages to I, um, infomercials. What were you doing watching that in the first place? Once I have a few adult beverages, about, about three days later, a package shows up. <laughs> I have no idea what's in it. I think, when did I order that? That's awesome. <laughs> that is pretty cool. So, Say have you guys me, seen? Take have, me away. Have you guys seen this new show on HBO, Euphoria? No. Okay, Brandon Robert and I don't watch as much TV. Well, as well you. here's. I, I think I don't know how he gets it all in. Has a life and goes to school. Television is in the background goes. at all times because my wife is a she is a TV junkie. That's what she does. That's how she unwinds. But. I am very good at multitasking and paying attention just enough to know what's going on. I have some advice for the general viewing public or listening public in our context. Euphoria is a new show on HBO. They're into about episode number five. And we've often asked the questions, what's the next great series? It's not this one. This one doesn't have that kind of staying power. Although it is a pretty good show. Absolutely, under no circumstances, watch that with your kids. And I have to say that last night, my wife and I were watching this. It was about 10, 15, I think. My youngest daughter came home. She had been out with her friends. They came home, and she came in and was like, oh, my God, you guys are watching Euphoria. I'm going to sit and watch with you. And I was like, you're going to go do anything but watch this with us. And uh, she kind of, oh, Okay, and then I think it occurred to her how awkward it would be for her to watch this show. Not meant for family viewing, period. Right. You're like, I can watch it, then you can watch it, but I, let's not watch it You together. know what, as much as I would love to pretend I can control the viewing habits of my children, I cannot. So I have accepted it, and we have a pretty, you know, a pretty open dialogue about most things as it applies to, you know, teenage issues. But the chances of me sitting through gratuitous sex scenes with my child i dude i don't know if i'll be able to do it when she's 30 there were times not cool but at 16 not gonna happen captain there were times before my mother passed i would come home and try to sit down hang out with her and she'd be watching something and sex scenes on <laughs> and i'm frozen <laughs> i'm like and, and you know what my mom didn't phase her and so after a while i just it, it didn't bother me. It sounds like that did some long term damage. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going therapy. Can't now. do it, man. That's that's yeah, not cool. Hey, uh, Chris, cool. you're box big boxing fan. I got some bad news for you. Just breaking. Pernell Whitaker got hit by a car. Oh God! And has passed away. Wow. So what? Yes. Sweet pea. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's from uh, Virginia. He's from Virginia Beach. Yeah, Virginia wow. Beach, yeah. Man, so that's horrible. He dies at 55. Oh, uh, hit by a car, man. God, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it's the whole room down, but it's news. You did. All right, so now everything after that, yeah, ooh, man. Man, got to put the flag at half mass. That's horrible. Sweet P. Whitaker, gone at 55. That's horrible. Um, back to the NBA. We got about 15, 20 minutes left here. We were talking about where these teams are slotted, and I'm looking through this list, and I'll be honest with you. Golden State, I told you, I won't bet against Steph Curry. This is a That's going to be one of the most important storylines as we go through this season. Steph needs to be in the MVP conversation. He needs to keep this team solidly planted in the playoffs, or it will tarnish his legacy. Um, you know, he's already established himself. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Got all that, but we're a fickle sports public, and uh, we can fall out of love with Steph Curry pretty quickly. Now, the the only beef that I really have with the seedings that they've put together in this first list is that Toronto is listed ahead of Golden State, and I'm not buying that for a minute. Um, This team not only lost Kawhi Leonard, they also lost Danny Green, who was huge. That's a great two-way player, an unselfish guy who knows his role, who does it on both ends of the floor. So you're taking two of your core players away. They plug in Stanley Johnson, who's a guy who hadn't figured it out yet, been around for a couple years, spent some time with Detroit, and has always been on the cusp. But you're looking at that team now, and I get Pascal Siakam, and the uh, I, I like Siakam's game. I, I really do. I love but I don't I like do. the offense going through Siakam. Right. You know, I mean, Siakam is a, is a clean-it-up type, hit-the-glass type player that can finish. Uh, this guy's not going to go get you 25 a night. The, the thing I liked about uh, Toronto last season was they were able to hide Kyle Lowry. He played well under the radar because it took all the pressure off. Well, he always has played well under the radar in the regular season. Right. The fact that Lowry playoffs. showed That's up. What I'm saying in playoffs, he, like he quietly played pretty well consistently throughout the playoffs. But uh, Kawhi Leonard took all the pressure off of him, they, they, so he could defer to Kawhi. And then when he and he made his shot when it came back around, yep. which in the past he has not done. So I think he'll. I think he's. It's going to be tough for him to be one of the go-to guys on that team because he and Siakam uh, is okay, but I don't think that's a. It's going to get you very far in the playoffs. Gotcha. Well, that's kind of how bogus some of these power rankings are on ESPN. I'm sitting there looking. You're you're talking about. I'm not buying the Raptors before Golden State. Well, neither are the odds makers. <laughs> They're fifty to one title odds for the Toronto and Raptors. State. And and the Golden State's fourteen to one. Yeah, I, I think that you know they. Look, ESPN is trying to appease a lot of people. They're not trying to alienate. They're not trying to bash the champs, say it was all quiet. I get it. But Golden State should be better this year than Toronto, period. Now, the guy that's kind of lost in this because he did not make it back at any point during the postseason, which was a bit of a surprise because it was a constant narrative that got lost in all the storylines. OG Ananobi, Ananobi um, is a really good ball player. He's another two-way guy. He's not Kawhi Leonard. Don't be confused by that. But he is another young piece that's coming back to him. So that could make it a little bit more interesting. But when I look at Toronto, I'm thinking fourth or fifth best in the East. And that does not equate to 10th overall with the disparity is with how strong the West is. Now, I want to go all the way to the other end of the spectrum here. And there's 
couple points I want to make before we we get out of here today. First of all, let me start with Charlotte at 29. Um, me personally, and it hurts my heart to say this, um, I'd have Charlotte at 30, dead last. I, that, that team on paper is atrocious. And I don't know off the top of my head what the NBA low for victories is in a particular season, but if nine months from now we're talking about Charlotte challenging that, it's not going to shock me. I don't think they're going to set an all-time record, but when you look at that ball club from top to bottom, unless some of these young guys they have taken in the last couple years that we have not seen flashes from, Malik Monk has never looked good. Miles Bridges looked overmatched last year with a very limited game. P.J. Washington is going to have a lot on his shoulders. Lamb is gone. Walker's gone. This team is going to struggle to do anything well this year. Maybe that Bolden signing will push Cleveland up to 29. And Bolden push. might be in the starting lineup by the end of you the know, season. The Charlotte Hornets have the worst record of all time in the NBA. Seven wins. I didn't know. What year was that? That was 2012, I believe. Oh, 2012. Seven. They went seven. Well, they went seven and 59. Seven and short season. Oh, well, see that doesn't count. Whole season, Philly went nine and 73. Oh my God! If we have to suffer through nine wins in an 82 game schedule, oh God! We try to keep it like above board, not throw too much dirt. It's going to be hard not to throw big dirt clods. West, out towards Charlotte. Okay. It's going to be brought. So, here, so here's the question. Yeah. How how do they get better? I know they've made some bad picks in the past, but considering we're a small market team, how are we going to sign enough good enough free agents to turn the thing around? You're not. And the and the thing that that Charlotte should have been doing this year is trying to take advantage of people trying to get off bad contracts. Josh Jackson is a prime example. Josh Jackson's not a world beater. But you're talking about a guy that was a high lottery pick just a couple years ago out in Phoenix. Phoenix wanted out of his contract. Why was Charlotte not in the market for that? The Grizzlies give up nothing to get this guy. You've got other teams that are uh, that are out there that see value in expiring deals. Why are Marvin Williams, MKG, Biombo still on the team? Why have we not even heard any ideas from anybody as to how to get out of Batum's contract. And the problem that Charlotte has now is they have $45 million coming off the books in three players at the end of this season. Who are they going to add? Willie Cauley-Stein. Right? And, and that's where the problem is. They are, they're at the wrong point in history. They should be stockpiling draft picks any way that they can and trying to do this. And although the the formula up to this point has been – you know, don't overpay, tank, whatever the case might be. I don't know, unless you're going to hit it out of the park and find a transformational player or two at the number one or two pick in the draft, Charlotte's going to be bad for a while. What is the attendance like there? It's not great. And and Jordan's philosophy has seemed to be, I would rather play in a half-empty arena than cut prices on tickets. Because a lot of these teams, when they go through these, you know, they'll open them up these last-minute sales, and you, you pay $8 and get into the you know a bad seat. Jordan Jordan's not about that up to this point. Let me ask it's something. going to be very difficult for this team. Let me ask something really crazy that will definitely probably never happen. What is one of the fastest-growing areas in the United States right now? Charlotte. Well, Raleigh. The Triangle. Yes. 
I've long thought, and I know this is true because I, I'm a season ticket holder for the Carolina Hurricanes. You need to. I, I feel like that team should be in Raleigh. Because what have we said so many times? How would you take tickets to a Charlotte Hornets game right now? I, I'm just Today, saying. Today, no. You would. You, no. Would you wouldn't? And why is that? It's dude. It's a two and a half hour drive. You know, it. it it's not. I'm not going to drive two and a half hours both ways to watch them get beat down. Now, if Charlotte was was playing well, I have often thought maybe I'll get one of these packages. Maybe I'll get you know 15 games or something like that. But now, ain't no chance. You but can't how, give me tickets. How often would you go though if they were in Raleigh? If, if like, they were in Raleigh, I'd buy season tickets. You you split the whole state's commute, right? Yeah, yeah by but. sticking them in Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's a beautiful city, but it, I, don't you feel kind of like out there when you're in Charlotte? Like, there's really, I mean, outside of a couple of lakes, there's not any like large. I, no, I don't know, man, from the because the, when I look at it, I look at it, and I understand what you're saying, is yes, if you're, you know, you're there in Raleigh, you know, you have a draw, um, and you, you, the same problem exists, though. Are people going to come from Charlotte to Raleigh? I think you have enough transfers for different teams. But what have I said so many times about the hockey? Like, it's a unique, it's a unique Yeah, but Charlotte's area. not that much different than that. I mean, Raleigh is definitely a melting pot of people from all over the country, so you have that to draw on. But the other thing, too, though, that you take out of play is if you move it to Raleigh, Greenville and those parts of South Carolina now are out of play as well. Yeah, because I mean, if you put a team in, you know, you, you talk about the Carolina Panthers. You can't get away with calling them the Carolina Panthers if they're in Raleigh. At that point, they're the North Carolina Panthers. You know what I mean? No, I got you. So I think the same logic applies. Now, me personally, but it's the I'd Charlotte love to Hornets. see the Hornets in Raleigh because I'd have season tickets and I'd be there 41 times a, a year. That I mean, b- bottom line. But if I lived in Charlotte and people, somebody was proposing, let's move them to you know the Triangle and have them playing in Cary or whatever the case might be, eh, I don't know. You know, I just look at it like this. If you, you drive to Charlotte, it's the long drive there. If you're yes. going to have a couple of beverages. It is a long, lonely drive. The The only drive that's worse back is back coming back from Charlotte because <laughs> everybody's coming out of the game. It's like log jammed. So that, that then with that said, I kind of want to go ahead and just get a hotel and stay. And then next thing you know, you're like dropping all this cash. I, I can, I can uh, legitimize I, – I can make the case to go watch a Panthers game because there's only a certain amount of games. By the way, we got to talk about the silliness they're talking I don't know about. If this, we can get it in, this we'll eighteen sixteen uh, proposal they're doing for the NFL. But I just I'm not going to drive to go see the Charlotte Hornets play. Period. All right. So we got the Hornets at twenty nine. I say thirty. It's going to be rough. There are a couple teams that are at the bottom of the barrel. The Wizards are going to be atrocious this year. And I'm going to tell you, Bricky, you haven't heard me say this. I think that before the end of this season or the end of this off season, rather. I am I think I know where OKC is headed. And I have decided looking at all the salary cap numbers and all the rest of that, I don't think OKC is going to deal Chris Paul. I think they're going to keep him and I think they are going to create their own little duo in this era of dynamic duos. I think the next addition to OKC is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is about to enter his contract year. He's made it perfectly clear he doesn't want to be there with the Wizards. And I think that's as much about John Wall because everybody's, well, you know, Beal's the guy until Wall gets back. I don't think he wants to play with, with 
John Wall, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and D.C., I'm not sure I want to live there anyway. But Bradley Beal, if you look at it, there are some trades that make perfect sense salary-wise. And Oklahoma City's purpose with this Paul George thing, once they dealt Paul George, their statement was, we want to get under the luxury tax. They're within about $4.5 million of being under the luxury tax threshold. And I've heard some national talking heads talk about the Paul George deal, and they're like, well, yeah, you know, Oklahoma City's a small market team. They won't pay over the cap. Shut up. Do some research. Oklahoma City has been over the cap and paid tax for the last five years. They've been one of the highest spending payroll teams in basketball. They will continue to be, but the ownership's position is if we're not going to compete for a championship, we don't want to pay the tax. And it's crippling. And just to give you an example, it gets higher the farther over the cap you are. Right now, they're about $4.5 million over the tax threshold. Their bill for that is $11 million. So they're creeping down under the cap, and they've made some moves, but they're within $4 million of the, of the luxury tax line. They're not trying to tear this team apart very much. There are some deals that they could make, Danilo Gallinari being right at the top of the list. If they send Gallinari and a player or two to Washington, they could add Beal, go under the luxury tax threshold, and be set with Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, S.J., um, Shea Gilgis Alexander and the rest of their young pieces moving forward. I think that's the move to make. I think Washington is finally, of course, they haven't had a, a, anybody running the team for the last hundred days, but that's another story. I think Bradley Beal to OKC makes really good sense to me um, because I don't think OKC is just willing to give up a season or two like people think they are. Yeah. And they've got more picks to trade. I'd get Washington on the phone and tell them, look, you can take any three of these number ones you want that we've got moving forward. These are the guys I'm offering. Let's make this happen. They've had a good run for a small market team. Yes. Think about that. I mean, yeah. they've been good for 10 years. 12. 12 years. That's that's extraordinary. Yes. I mean, that's hard to do in major markets. Yes, and and Sam Presti, the, the GM out there, has taken some lumps because, you know, they gave up on Harden and they made the deal when they did. At the time, their philosophy was, well, I don't know that we can keep Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, which was probably true. There have been some deals that didn't necessarily work out, but there hasn't been a small market team that has been that active and willing to bring in top-shelf talent and be creative, and I don't think they're willing to just punch out. I think they're going to try to put something together with this squad, and they're not dumb. Some of these teams, like I said, are looking ahead at free agency next year, and they're like, well, we want expiring contracts. OKC has got enough talent in that front office. They're looking, and they're like, there ain't anything for us to add. We're going to have to do this another way. And lastly, before we get off the NBA, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. Those folks that think that this is a move of the smacks of desperation for Houston, I need you to be quiet. This was the best move Houston could make given the assets that they had. The fact that they got out from under Chris Paul's contract, which was sort of job one for them, I think they would have been willing to do that without bringing back somebody like Westbrook. Westbrook and Harden may not be a perfect fit, but you're forgetting about the rest of the talent on that roster. Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, those guys can play ball. The system that this might work best in with Harden and Westbrook, two ball-dominant guards, is D'Antoni's system. They're going to take more shots than anybody in the NBA. Those guys will push one another. I'm excited to see it work. we got a minute left, Ricky. Talk about that matchup and what has to happen for Houston to be any good. 
Well, they've got to figure out a way for those two guys to coexist. And I th- think you're right. The way Houston wants to get out and run, and they want to get a shot up in five to seven seconds, that's perfect for Westbrook. So if you're in transition, Westbrook will be amazing. And then now you can let guys run to the corners. You can hit Harden, et cetera, et cetera. You can run your offense. But for a guy like him to get a rebound, he can initiate the break, make something happen at the rim. And and he is a willing passer now. He'll take bad shots, but he is a willing passer, and he'll find guys. So I think it helps him in the long run. Well, it's something I've said over and over again is that people say, well, Russell Westbrook plays on the ball too much. Russell Westbrook has a tendency at the end of games to try to do too much. But in the context of playing normal basketball, Westbrook is a willing passer. And, Brandon, you've said a million times, James Harden, if he is willing to do it, could be the best catch-and-shoot guy in the NBA. We got to go. This has been From the Cheap Seats from right here in Sanford, North Carolina. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Check us out online at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us on the web at www.cheapseatradio.com. Peace! Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.